it's a long road. You always have to have hope that things are going to improve. Your right. brain is going to heal. And if you have that mindset where your brain has the capacity to heal, then it will. If you have the mindset where, oh, I'm going to be stuck with this forever, then it's much less likely to get better. Then you're almost fighting your own mindset in terms of your recovery. Hello, and welcome to On Visibility, an intersectional podcast dedicated to making invisible illnesses visible. We're your hosts, Carmen Rose, Bernadette, and Shruti. Each week, we will dig deeper into migraine and its comorbidities to help you find your own path to healing. Thank you for being here with us. Our guest today is Dr. Rani Banik. Dr. Banik is the founder of Envision Eye Clinic in New York City, She's a board-certified ophthalmologist specializing in neuro-ophthalmology with an interest in migraine. She's also an associate professor of ophthalmology at Mount Sinai and the author of a new book, Nutrition for Your Eyes Beyond Carrots. Dr. Bannock herself lives with migraine. She shares entertaining and educative reels on her Instagram account, which we're linking in the comments in the description. Welcome, Dr. Bannock. We are so thrilled to meet you. Oh, thank you all so much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I think this is an area that is not really looked at very closely with a lot of people living with migraines. So we're so excited to dive into it today. You mentioned that you actually live with migraine. Can you tell us a little bit about how you manage that and your experience of it? Yeah, so it's been it's been a challenge and it's been a journey. Um, as I mentioned, I started to have migraines when I was back, you know, in medical school. And before they weren't that frequent. I would probably get them maybe like twice a year, not so bad. But once I hit my forties, um, I was under a really stressful period, both at work and at home. And my migraines, just like that, it was like someone turned a switch, and my migraines became constant and they became daily. And it was really, really tough, you know, having to suffer the symptoms of migraine, the headache, the light sensitivity, the other things that happen, and having to go to work, taking care of patients who also have migraine, and also, you know, doing responsibilities at home. So it was really, really challenging. I went through a rough, like, I would say three to four years of constant daily headache, trying to find a solution. And I tried that that time, basically all the medications that were out there available and nothing was really helping. And it wasn't until I started to institute some lifestyle changes, dietary changes and lifestyle changes that things finally started to turn around. I started to take some supplements and that's really what made the difference in making my migraines tolerable. And now um, I'm actually taking a CGRP inhibitor and that really, really helps so in simple terms, can you just explain what is neuro-ophthalmology? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a subspecialty, and it's a field that basically melds the two fields of ophthalmology and neurology. As a neuro-ophthalmologist, I deal with all the conditions that link our vision to our brain, which is basically so many different things. For example, strokes that affect vision, tumors that affect vision, some autoimmune conditions that can affect vision that are neurologic in origin. And as part of that, I very frequently deal with migraine because as you all know, migraine oftentimes has a visual component to it. Many of my patients have migraine. At this point, at least 50% of my patients have either migraine or some other headache disorder that affects their eyes. 
How does a person know if they should seek out a neuro-ophthalmologist? Usually you go see first either a general ophthalmologist or a general neurologist, and they will make a referral. It's usually that you get referred for a very specific reason. Are there any specific eye conditions that might contribute to the frequency or severity of migraine attacks? And if these conditions are identified and found and treated, have you seen any patients improve? Yes. So there are some eye conditions that in which migraine is much more frequent. People who have autoimmune eye diseases of any kind, whether it's lupus or mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, uh, multiple sclerosis as well mm -hmm. is a big mm -hmm. one, uh, they're much more likely to be predisposed to migraine. Why? We don't exactly know. Um, you know, there's mm -hmm. been this hypothesis out there that migraine may have some autoimmune origin, but that's not been proven. But I definitely have seen uh, lots of patients with an overlap between their autoimmune condition that may have eye issues along with migraine. In general, people who have light colored eyes, um, you know, whether it's blue or hazel or green, they're more light sensitive. It's not really an eye condition or eye disease, but it's just eye pigment. That's really interesting. I have hazel eyes and I'm very light sensitive. <laughs> mm -hmm. How do they know whether their light sensitivity is contributing towards migraine or if it's the other way around? Because it's so intricately linked Right. Yeah, that's a great question, Shruti. So all of us have light sensitivity, first of all, people with migraine, people without migraine, we've all experienced it at some point in our lives. But if the light sensitivity triggers other symptoms that are migraine related, then I would say that it's probably related. Uh, and then as you mentioned, vice versa, people who have migraine do in general tend to be more light sensitive. So there's that aspect as well. But let's say, for example, this is a, a you know, something that many patients have told me, you know, if they go to a large grocery store where there's overhead lighting, the fluorescent lights, and they're flickering, sometimes those lights can be really bothersome and actually trigger a migraine. So in that situation, I would say that the light sensitivity is probably the trigger rather than the result or sequela of a migraine. That almost always happens to me, having light overhead. So I usually yeah. turn off all those ceiling lights and then put on something that, like a floor lamp or something closer. Exactly. It, it definitely helps. The angle, I think, is important. And if you, you know, many people actually work in an office where there are over, you know, those overhead lights, it's very hard to change your environment in some cases. If you can't change your environment, wear some kind of a hat, like maybe like a baseball cap or something to directly shield your eyes. Yes, you can also wear glasses like migraine glasses, which are great, but the hat mm. really makes a difference when you're in a setting with overhead lights. I mm. literally always have a baseball cap with me at all times and it helps so yes. much. It's smart. Smart. It gotta... should be part of the migraine toolkit. It I, was yeah. say, <laughs> I, got, I, I have the sunglasses, but I need to add the hat to my toolkit. I yeah, share it absolutely. on my account all the time. The hat, the the glasses, and the ear the earplugs are the three you things. You do, yeah. You're always, yeah. You always are, yeah. Now that I think about, yeah. it, I'm like, and these yeah. are such sim simple yeah. things. Like if you just do these couple of simple things, yeah. you will feel better. You know, you'll yeah. ward off attacks. So one of my friends thought it was just like a fashion statement that I was committed to, oh, and I was nice. like, no, absolutely not. But it can be one, right? She was yeah. just trying to be supportive. You never know. Can you explain why we experience light sensitivity even between migraine attacks? We all know that if you have migraine, your brain doesn't work like somebody who doesn't have migraine. Yes, we're, we're superheroes. We're unique. We're, we're gifted in this sense. So we're super sensitive to all kinds of stimuli, especially light, but also sound and touch and you know things that normally wouldn't bother people bother us. And so even in between attacks, because the brain is more sensitive, 
its sensors are just on hyper alert all the time, even the lightest stimulus can bother us. So, you know, for example, looking at a screen, uh, many people aren't bothered by it, but for people who have migraine, they really have a lot of trouble working on a screen, especially for hours at a time, even going out on a sunny day, as much as you may enjoy being outdoors, it may keep you indoors because your eyes just can't tolerate it. It's not just during the attack, it's even in between the attacks. Those pathways in the brain are just on hyper alert. Can you explain the link with eye fatigue and migraine? Because I've heard like the 2020 rule where like, you know, every 20 minutes you're supposed to look 20 feet away. Beyond that, now that we're looking at screens more and more each day, what can we do for eye strain? I'm really glad you brought that up. There's a couple of things people don't immediately think of when I think of being on a screen. So first of all, all of our devices, all of our screens emit blue light, all of them, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your computer, your TV, any monitor emits blue light. Our brains, people who have chronic migraine are more sensitive to certain wavelengths and they fall in the blue light range. So whereas a normal person wouldn't be bothered by it, we are. So that's one thing. The second thing that very few people know is that our screens are constantly flickering. So you know how I was talking earlier about those fluorescent overhead lights going on and off, on and off? You know, our screens are doing that all the time. And they do that, they're designed to do that to save energy and to save battery life. And so the screen is actually going on and off, on and off at a very fast frequency. Your eyes may not be able to perceive it, but your brain picks it up. And imagine, just imagine being in a room where someone's constantly turning the light on and off and on and off. That's not fun, but that's what's happening with your screen constantly. So it's that flickering that triggers migraine for many people and triggers the light sensitivity. So there is an app. This is an amazing software that was developed. And I would love to share this with everybody. And maybe we can put a link in the show notes because I think everyone who suffers with migraine should try out this app. It's called Iris. And uh, basically it's a software that you download to your computer, to your tablet, to your phone. You can't put it on a TV monitor, but you can put it on pretty much any other type of device. And internally, it will adjust the amount of blue light coming from your screen based off of where you are, the, your geographic location. So it knows based off of where you are geographically when the sun rises and when the sun sets. So it's going to adjust the amount of blue light depending on the cycle of the sun, but also it eliminates the flicker rate. It takes it out completely. And as soon as you put it on, you will see the difference, like lit, pun intended, you will see the difference that your eyes are just, oh my God, this is like so much better. This is so relaxing. Like it's, it's a different feel when you put it on your screen. I wish everybody knew about this. I wish more people, more doctors understood this, but I've been trying to educate people, but I don't know how many people are listening about this, but it's the flicker rate that's the problem. It's not just the screen. Recently, I found out that certain phones, the more you turn down the brightness, the faster the flicker rate is, but we can't identify that with our eye, like just by looking at the screen. So we think we're doing something to help ourselves, but actually it's just flickering faster and faster. Yeah. So you would think that it seems like contradictory, right? Like, oh, I'm really sensitive to bright light, so I'm going to turn down the brightness. But when you do that, you increase the flicker rate. What are your thoughts on Avilux, Josh? So there's lots of migraine glasses out there. There's Avilux, there's Therospects, there's Axon Optics. Those are the three main ones. I do think that they help quite a bit because they block out specific wavelengths, um, but they're not for everybody. 
And I think you just have to find the tint that works best for you as well. Because um, like there was a point where I was so light sensitive, I had trouble driving. So I would wear my FL41s at nighttime in the car and that's not good. No, You do not want to do that. And, but I had to do it because I had to get home and that was the only way I could tolerate the, the headlights. You just have kind of have to maybe have a couple of pairs, like two pairs, one for like indoor use or nighttime use and one for outdoor, like bright mm -hmm. sunny day use. I tend to use my um, Therospecs when I'm like in a lot of pain because then it, I feel like it's just like a pillow for my eyes and then daily use, I use the Avalux. You know, the ideal thing would be if they had, if they came up with a technology that would change based on your lighting. Like, just like, you know, transition lenses, if you go outside, they get dark, your sunglasses, they become sunglasses. If they came up with some technology like that, that would be like perfect. Is there anything you can do um, medicinally to help with light sensitivity or is it just, you know, the, using the tools that we have? There are a couple of things. There has been some talk about the CGRP inhibitors, perhaps improving light sensitivity when migraine. I don't know if it's been published yet, but I do know that um, that's been talked about. So that may be an option. In some of my patients with very extreme light sensitivity, um, I actually recommend eye drops that, and this is again, not for everybody, but sometimes I recommend eye drops that constrict the pupil. So it basically physiologically limits the amount of light getting into your eyes. Now, of course, there can be downsides to using these types of drops. You may, you know, lose contrast or, you know, peripheral vision can be affected. But in some people with very, very severe light sensitivity, those are some options. Again, very, very severe cases. I sometimes recommend colored contact lenses. It's actually like a physical filter on your eye. So yes, you can wear the glasses, but imagine something like actually on your eye that has a darker kind of a color to it that is literally blocking the amount of light getting in. I do know that one of the migraine companies used to make FL41 tinted contact lenses. I don't think they do anymore, but there are specialty contact lens companies that make specific migraine tints. Um, there's one company called Orion that I use, that I work with, and they make uh, various different types of, they call them therapeutic tinted lenses. So you may want to talk to your eye doctor about possibly, if you're really, really sensitive, possibly considering those types of lenses. I know Shruti and I, and I'm, I'm sure Carmen Rose too, we also have trouble with processing movement around us. Yes. The processing of movement of our visual space is so complex in the brain. It involves like so many different parts of the brain. Many people with migraine have motion sickness because they just can't process. Being in a car can be really, really hard for many people. Sometimes just walking down the street or going fast on a bicycle, like it's not easy. It's not enjoyable. It's, it makes you feel dizzy, nauseated. They're also more commonly sleepwalkers and sleep talkers. I've sleepwalked since I was a kid, or I still sleep talk. I'm like, yeah, that's probably your brain's, you know, wiring is different. I also notice at night just having trouble with processing like light and shadows almost. Yes. And I, and I know that's gotten worse since my chronic migraine has progressed. So many normal parts of living are not normal to someone with migraine or not easy, I mm. should say for people with migraine or, you know, just adjusting from going from a dark situation to a lighter environment that can take a long time to adjust or vice versa. Like if you're going from outside to indoors, it may take a while for your eyes to readjust and be able to see well and focus well. 
all these things happen to us as lucky people in the world, right? <laughs> For me, it's two things. One is driving. I feel like I can't gauge the distance between, let's say, the car and another car or a pole. So I keep feeling I might actually go and crash if I do start learning. And my daughter keeps moving constantly. And that makes me nauseous. Her running around makes me nauseous. Mm -hmm. And even things like um, enjoying a movie. Uh, like, for example, <laughs> recently, uh, my family and I went to see Avatar and we went to see it on uh, the IMAX screen and it was in 3D. So it was like <laughs> multiple layers of visual <laughs> stimuli. So you have the huge screen and it's a beautiful movie, but it was not easy sitting through that, you know, what it was, like three hour movie it was hard. <laughs> in 3D. Yeah. yeah, we have to make adaptations. And Shruti, you know, when you were saying earlier about driving and not feeling safe, I think you just, you know, for people who have these types of symptoms, you have to really put your safety first. Like, yes, we all have things we have to do and responsibilities, et cetera. But if it's going to potentially impact your safety, don't do it. Like there was a time when I would not drive at night because the glare and the motion, and I just did not feel comfortable. And so, so I didn't drive for a while. Now I'm a little bit better, so I, I can tolerate it. But you have to just put your put that first. I see that the traffic lights feel bright or the red lights feel brighter at night lately. Yeah, people may experience that. They may experience glare around lights, like headlights mm -hmm. especially. Like I see this big sunburst or starburst. Mm -hmm. And even regular light, like if I'm just indoors, sometimes that light will be just super bright. And I never used to, you know, before my migraines were this bad, I never used to be that sensitive to light in the morning. But now even the little, the smallest amount of light coming through, like we have blackout shades, but mm -hmm. even like, like through the crack, if there's a little bit of light coming through, that really bothers me. And it never used to. So I think your brain just becomes sensitive to certain stimuli that never may have bothered you in the past. What's the relationship between nausea and visual processing, especially for someone with migraine? So I think there are, you know, we don't know the exact neurologic connections, but the vagus nerve has something to do with it. Uh, the vagus nerve that goes to the gut that causes all kinds of GI types of symptoms for people with migraine, whether it's nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, cramping, irritable bowel, um, there is that connection. Probably the vagus nerve is getting activated in migraine that may be triggered by the light sensitivity. So all of these systems, again, are intertwined in our brains and one system can trigger another. You can do things to stimulate your parasympathetic system. There are these vagal boosting exercises mm -hmm. or activities you can do from breathing exercises to laughing, you know, to, to things like that, that will stimulate your vagus nerve. When you feel like there's a, I'm going to have an attack, you know, and the anxiety builds, like you have to put your body into a relaxed state right away. Yeah. Because if you don't, yeah. if you let that anxiety build, then, then the attack is going to go full blown. You have chronic migraine and you live with everyday attacks. Is it possible for vision to deteriorate apart from light sensitivity? Extremely rarely. Um, which is good. I mean, it, it's, it can happen, but very, very rare. And when it becomes permanent is if the migraine is so severe that it actually causes one of the blood vessels to close off, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's in the eye or in the brain, you know, we know that migraine can be associated with stroke. So basically if there's a stroke in the vision center in the brain, or if there's a stroke in the eye itself, like a retinal stroke, then potentially it could be permanent. But fortunately, it's extremely rare that something happens like that. I've been practicing for, 
I don't know, 22, 23 years. And I can count on one hand, the number of patients I've seen where they've had like permanent vision mm-hmm. loss associated with their migraine. So it's very, very rare that something like that would happen. And I mean, I don't have aura, right? But I imagine a lot of your patients that come to you have visual aura. Is that common with all of your patients? And is there anything that you recommend for them to do to maybe help with the anxiety of that? Even if you know, okay, this isn't impacting my vision long-term, but in the moment, I imagine it's really scary. So how do you work with those patients? It is. Definitely. I see a lot of patients who come in because they've had their very first aura Mm -hmm. episode and it's frightening. I have aura as well. Mm -hmm. My very first episode of aura was when I was in medical school and it was my second year. I was studying for finals and I remember being in the library, you know, studying, studying, studying. And all of a sudden I started seeing these Mm -hmm. flashing lights and I I literally thought I was having a stroke. And even though I was a medical student and I'd learned about migraine and I'd learned about aura when it was happening to me, Mm -hmm. I was scared out of my wits. I was like, oh my God, I need to go to the emergency room. And luckily it passed, you know, within about 15, 20 minutes it passed. And then the headache hit. Then I realized, oh, I just had a migraine. Mm -hmm. And it was like the light bulb went off. But, you know, trying to kind of let people know, maybe people who don't have a medical background who experience it, that is that it's okay it's really scary. It, you think that you're going to go blind. You think that there's, you know, maybe there's an aneurysm in your brain or something really severe happened and, and it's not going to come back. But if you just kind of take a step back and, and try to relax, drink some water, maybe close your eyes, rest your head, just wait it out, wait mm-hmm. it out and it will pass. And usually it passes within 15 to 30 minutes. Occasionally, it may last a little bit longer, maybe up to like 40, 45 minutes, but certainly not more than an hour. If it's more than an hour that you're having an aura, definitely seek medical help. Go to the emergency room. Make sure it's not something more severe. But in most cases, I know it's very anxiety provoking, as you mentioned, but just kind of take some deep breaths, wait it out. Of course, if you're doing something where maybe put your safety at risk, like if you're driving, it can happen when you're driving. It's really scary. You just have to pull over and mm-hmm. wait for it to pass. But in most cases, you just take a little break. I find yeah. aura so fascinating, specifically because everyone has different kinds of aura. Some people see flashing lights, some people see zigzag lines, some people have tunnel vision. For me, it's more like blood cells flowing through a vessel. That's the only image that I get in my head, but more like an X-ray of blood cells flowing into, and it keeps going. You know, I can see little things. That is so interesting. So what you're actually seeing is healthy. You know, you're actually seeing your own retinal blood vessels, almost like a a negative. It's called entoptic phenomenon. It reflects healthy or healthy retina. Some people will actually, even, even without an aura, some people will see it. Like if you look at like a bright blue sky, Sometimes you can see the outline of your vessels and you can see those little red blood cells, like those little dots. But, but it's, it's like an and X-ray, it's a negative. Wow, that is fascinating, Shruti. I've never heard that. I've heard, definitely heard of you know seeing blood vessels, but during an aura attack, I've never heard of that one. So wow, wow. thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting thank me you. know. This is, this is enlightening. <laughs> I, I always thought that was normal. I thought that was just a part of me. And it's probably in the last year that I've noticed when it happens and I noticed that it's actually aura because I I always thought I had migraine without aura. And this is- How long does it last when you experience that? More than about 40 minutes. I know we drove back from Niagara once and that was an hour and a half and it lasted the whole way. Yeah. Wow. I can see something now too. Do you also have visual snow syndrome? I don't know what that is. I don't know how it feels. So for me, often- (laughs) 
things that I experience are in the normal category. So I never really think about them until someone says, hey, you know what, this is actually this. And then I have this aha moment. But how does it feel? Most people with visual snow have migraine. Some people with migraine have visual snow. And what it is, is basically, it's like seeing static in your vision where, you know how like the old television sets, the black and white, like kind of like shimmering when it wasn't tuned into a particular station, there's like this gray and white shimmering. Imagine that like an overlay over your entire vision. That is what visual snow is. And again, many people think it's normal. Like, oh, I've always had this. I thought it was, you know, since I was a kid, everybody has this, but not everybody has it. And it can be associated with seeing your own retinal vessels. It can be associated with seeing like flashing lights. So there's a lot of overlap between the visual symptoms of visual snow and the visual symptoms of migraine. Imagine like tiny, tiny, like millions of little flick in it's com your complete vision is affected, not just like the center. Uh -huh. So I think maybe what you're experiencing is some persistence of your migraine aura mm -hmm. um, that you're seeing, but I don't think it's quite visual snow. Good. I mean, I'm happy that I don't have yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious how much, if any, have you worked with concussion and eye health, because I get my chronic migraine from post-concussion syndrome. So much of our brain is dedicated to our visual systems. And so it's not a surprise that people who have had concussion will have visual symptoms, um, including light sensitivity, including increased headache, whether it's a post-concussion headache or a migraine, which, you know, there's a lot of overlap there. Um, sometimes people after concussion have trouble tracking or moving their eyes together. So for example, reading can become really, really challenging for those people. I don't know if this happened when you had your concussion, but you know, the eyes just don't work well together. And so, or even making fast movements, like if you're driving in a car, it can be really disorienting or discombobulating just to have all that constant stimulus of motion and moving your eyes around. So it can be really challenging doing regular daily tasks, again, like reading, using a screen, driving, things like that. But the good news is with concussion, with therapy, many people do go to many types of therapy, whether it's physical therapy, occupational therapy, vision therapy. With therapy, things do turn the corner and they do start to get better. Uh, many of my patients who have had concussion-related vision issues, we usually, again, within six months to a year, they're a lot better. But sometimes it can take even longer than that. Sometimes it can take two or three years after a concussion for people to really kind of get back to close to the way they were before their concussion. It's a long road. You always have to have hope that things are going to improve. Your right. brain is going to heal. And if you have that mindset where your brain has the capacity to heal, then it will. If you have the mindset where, oh, I'm going to be stuck with this forever, then it's much less likely to get better then you're almost fighting your own mindset in terms of your recovery. Can good eye health contribute towards migraine disease? Is there anything that you can do to maintain good eye health? It's the light sensitivity that we have to come back to. Mm -hmm. If you know that it's a bright sunny day and you're going to be outside, definitely take your glasses with you. Um, don't wait for it to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, be proactive about it. You know, like Bernadette was saying, just wear them, wear them all the time. And even if you wear them indoors, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I just, one caveat with that is if you wear them indoors, I wouldn't get the super dark tint. I would get a lighter tint because if you wear them constantly, a really dark tint that almost dark adapts your eyes and then it may increase yes. the light sensitivities. Be proactive oh. in that way. 
And then of general eye health, general health, well-balanced diet, have a plant-rich diet to provide your eyes with the nutrients they need. And the same nutrients your eyes need to stay healthy, your brain also needs the same, the, right. those same mm. nutrients. So, and then hydration, just like your eyes need hydration, um, your body needs hydration and your brain also benefits from hydration. If you do all those things, you're not just benefiting your eyes, you're benefiting everything. You might as well have a, like a holistic type of approach. Dr. Panik, do you offer teleconsults as well? I have a practice in New York City. Um, I also do telemedicine. So you can give my office a call and we can schedule something. I also incorporate a lot of the nutrition and lifestyle aspects into my care for migraine because I do think that that's really the foundation so that a lot of my treatment protocols are based in nutrition, therapeutic diets, sometimes supplements, as well as lifestyle. And I, I do hope to have a course out soon on migraine. So an online course going through both aspects of things like the medical aspect, you know, medications, et cetera, answering all those questions, but also the lifestyle, nutrition, toxin exposure, because I know that's on a lot of people's minds. Like, could I have been exposed to a toxin? Could I have like a, some infection that's kind of triggering my migraine? I do also do like integrative and functional medicine. So my course will be a balance between the traditional medical approaches to migraine, as well as the integrative, holistic, functional aspects of migraine. Wow, that's exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about your new book? Yeah, so I have a book coming out soon. It is called Beyond Carrots, Best Foods for Eye Health A to Z. And in this book, basically, I talk about all the nutrients we need to support our eyes. And there's definitely crossover with our brains as well. So whatever, because so, our eye is actually a direct extension of our brain, whatever we do for our eye health will also help our brain health. So in the book, I talk about the 40 nutrients we need to keep our eyes healthy and the 40 plus foods that you can get those nutrients from. So not just carrots, but a whole spectrum of great foods that are going to support your eye health and brain health. And I would love for any of your listeners who are interested in their eye health as well to support me in my book. Many of us take our eyes for granted and there are just so many things you can do from a nutritional standpoint to support your eyes. So I hope to get this message out there to the world. That wraps up this episode of On Visibility. You can find Dr. Bannock on Instagram and her book Beyond Carrots is now available on Amazon. We are linking everything in the comments in the show notes. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Bannock. It was indeed our pleasure. Thank you all so much. I really loved our conversation. We talked about so many different things. It's, it was great. We hope you found this conversation valuable and maybe you are even interested in exploring eye health in your approach to migraine disease. Thank you for joining us, everybody. This is Shruti, Carmen Rose and Bernadette and you're listening to On Visibility.